Jesus looked up and he saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. Because all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. While some who were following Jesus were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be afraid, for these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. And then he said, and a nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents and siblings, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Sorry, but this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than all of them, for they contributed out of abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to do. November is the month of Thanksgiving, but this month we've been looking at gratitude as we gather together on these Sundays. We started November by exploring the great Thanksgiving of the, of the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. Eucharist is a Greek word, after all, that means Thanksgiving. Last week, while I was far away in South America, you looked together at some lesser Thanksgivings. Not just the great Thanksgiving, but these lesser Thanksgivings, all the thousands of ways each of us finds to be grateful for the blessings of God that happen all the time. You can find some of those blessings, the ones you share, the, the lesser gratitudes that you expressed in your bulletin this morning. Now, I'm thinking about the other side of gratitude today. Are there limits to gratitude? Are there things that we cannot be grateful for and maybe should not be grateful for? And what happens when our gratitude runs out? What's on the other side of gratitude? which brings us to this morning, and to this odd collection of statements that is recorded in the 21st chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Now quickly, at the start of the chapter, Jesus praises this poor woman who gives everything, and everything she has to live on, to the treasury of the Jerusalem temple. And, in his next breath, as is the 
disciples all of whom come from upstate, as it were, from the, down from the hill country of Galilee. As his disciples are looking around in amazement at these temple buildings so different from what they've come from. Jesus comes out with a statement that the whole pile of stones that makes up the temple will be thrown down with not one stone left upon another. What's going on? What's going on? Is, is Jesus saying good riddance to this institutional religious structure of his day, the great temple of Jerusalem, the heart of the Jewish faith? Or is he holding it up as worthy of the last two copper coins? this poor widow has to live on. Is Jesus calling us to sacrificial giving to support institutional religion? Or is Jesus calling us to a prophetic indignation at the structure of religious life? I think he's doing both. Here's what I think. Jesus is looking at the temple and seeing two things at the same time. He's seeing the visible structure of religious faith, a building built to glorify God, a visible sign of the invisible, barely tangible kingdom of God, a sign of God's way of love, justice, and reconciliation. That's what he sees. And he also sees a very human structure built by the hubris of King Herod the Great, the not-so-great ruler who, according to Matthew's Gospel, to have him slaughtered, along with the other infants of Bethlehem. Attempted assassination that led him to flee and seek refuge in a foreign land. Is the temple, according to Jesus, a response to the persistent love and faithfulness of God, or is it a sign of human arrogance and human delusion? I think the answer here in Luke is that it's both. I spent last week in Quito, capital of Ecuador, and with help from our daughter Jessie, I was treated to the sights and sounds and people and flavors of that place. One day, Jessie and I spent exploring the old city, the historic center of Quito. And we spent a lot of time in, in two different churches. The first one we visited was a Gothic basilica that looked a lot like the Cathedral Church of St. John the Divine, the block and was in fact built about the same time in the late 1800s. It's on a hill overlooking Quito, and for two dollars you can climb up into the towers and you can go across a rickety plankway through the ceiling, yeah, and up to the top of the tallest tower. It offers that kind of precarious excitement that our insurance company would never put up with. As it, have any of you been up into our ceiling? Above our ceiling there. Yeah. That gives you a little bit of a feeling of this facility and our experience there. There's another church, the Church of the Companions of Jesus, and it's in the heart of the old colonial city of Quito. It was built by the Spanish conquistadors in the early 1600s. I've seen a lot of ornate churches on five different continents. But this one takes the cake. First of all, it costs $5 to get in, not $2. And every interior surface is coated in gold. Every surface. And it is surely a tribute to the glory of God. And it is equally a reminder of 
the countless indigenous people whose blood was spilled in the quest to exploit the gold that then coated the inside of this church. It was breathtaking, and it was horrifying, and it brought to my mind the conflicting temple stories of Luke 21, and Jesus' desire to both build up the temple and tear it down. Which in turn reminds me, anyway, and maybe you as well, of our current, the current state of our denomination, the United Methodist Church, and like Jesus. I grew up in a religious tradition that held me and coaxed me and fed me and at times infuriated me. A tradition that now leaves me with questions and frustrations, yearning at once to build it up and at the same time to tear them in half. When I think about the church, I am certainly flooded with gratitude. The church and the people who are part of the church have been there for me at every critical moment of my life from a young age. And maybe it's not too much to say that I'm alive at all because of the church and the faithful people who make up the church. And at some point it came to me that the only appropriate response for me to the grace and the love that I had come to know through the church was to put into the church my whole life, my whole living, like our widow friend, everything I could possibly have and do, committing everything to the hope and the promise that lies on the other side of the gratitude. That was the only response. But when I think of the church, I'm also flooded with frustration. How can an institution whose whole foundation is love and justice allow itself to be swallowed by waters of pettiness and spiritual violence and racism and homophobia again and again and again? So I yearn for the church to be the kingdom of God. I yearn for the church to be the place, the institution, even the physical manifestation of God's amazing grace and limitless love. And I know it can be that. And sometimes it is that for us and for others. I may have noticed that Jesus goes on for quite a while about the, uh, the other side of this uh, gratitude, the, the whole destruction of the beloved institution, the temple. Not one stone is going to be left by another. That's a phrase that sends chills through my spine. It's one of the people charged with keeping the stones of this beloved place standing one on another. Jesus goes on to call out a bunch of things that he says will come that couldn't be farther from the things that bring out our gratitude. Wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and plagues, a litany of natural and unnatural disasters that you and I are too familiar with our current situation as we look around our planet. Not only that, he tells the people that they can look forward to being betrayed and hated by those closest to them, by parents and siblings and relatives at what sounds like the worst Thanksgiving dinner ever. But he ends with this one phrase, and it's a phrase of encouragement and a phrase of hope, and it's a phrase I want to leave us with today. By your endurance, you will save your souls. By your endurance, you will 
endurance, not your great courage or your triumph, not your great wisdom or your cogent Facebook posts or your razor sharp tweets, none of that, just your endurance, not giving up, not giving up, sticking with it, not giving up on the gospel of love, justice, and reconciliation, not giving up even on at the church, this promising and painful institution, institutional manifestation of the kingdom of God and be the instrument of God's grace. Not giving up. Not giving up on God. The God who made you and me in God's own holy and divine image so that people could recognize in you and recognize in me a reflection of the divine have an experience of God's grace through the way we live our lives. And not giving up on Jesus. Having the endurance not to give up on Jesus. With the blessed assurance that Jesus is not for some slight slice of the Christian population. But that Jesus is the salvation and hope of the whole world. That Jesus is for your radical cousin and your conservative aunt. That Jesus is for those who love you and those who don't. That Jesus is yours. That Jesus is mine. That Jesus is for everyone who wants him and needs him, and even for those who don't. Amen? Amen. Amen.